Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Hello to everyone watching online. As Archie said, my name's Isaac. I'm part of the team here at HDB. Uh, I'm also a rapper, and that's actually a job title that I felt quite insecure about um, historically because of the stereotypes that come with it. Uh, even when I was first dating my wife and I met her parents for the first time, they asked me what I do for a living, and I said that I'm a musician. Um, until her dad asked me what instrument I played. <laughs> and I thought, you got me there, mate. You got me there. Uh, I'm a bit more confident about my job title now, but just in case there's a few stereotypes flying about in your heads right now, I thought I'd give you three things about me that would dispel them. So the first thing is, I don't know what you heard about rappers, but my favorite drink isn't a rum and coke or champagne. It's actually an oat milk cortado, yeah? <laughs> Very gangster. Um, secondly, you've probably heard stories about all the wild things that go on backstage at rap shows. Uh, if you catch me backstage at a show uh, in my dressing room, the wildest thing that you'll see is me trying to potty train my son. Um, and then the last thing about me is I'm of the belief that the, the greatest band in the world in human history is the Spice Girls, yeah? Um, yeah, yes, a couple of Spice Girls fans here, love that. I'm such a big fan of the Spice Girls that one of their songs actually inspired the title of my, my talk today. And the title of my talk is Say You'll Be There. I've been contemplating whether to sing the chorus for you guys. <laughs> ah, relax, relax. I don't, I don't want to lose you in the first five minutes, so I'll spare you. Uh, today, I'm using a whiteboard, which I'm very excited about because it's the closest thing that I'm going to get to being a teacher, yeah? Any teachers or teaching assistants here today? Just raise your hands. Anyone watching online? Oh, a few. Give them a round of applause, man. Absolute legends. So, class is in session. Hopefully, you'll all behave yourselves because I've thought of some of my favorite phrases that I've heard over the years from my teachers, if you don't. Phrases like, um, excuse me. Anyone get that when they were growing up? Yeah? few people. Uh, how about this one? When you were like talking to your friend in class and then you'd look up and your teacher would just be looking at you and they'd say, no, I'll wait. Your conversation's obviously more interesting than mine. Yeah? Yeah? Remember that one? And then my favorite one, I'm having way too much fun. My favorite one is when I had a lesson right before lunchtime and the lesson was running over a little bit and people were messing about and the teacher would say, it's your own time you're wasting. Yeah, I love that one. Love that one. So I've got all of them. Anyway, anyway. Um, so my session today, my class, is sharing some passages from Numbers 13 and 14. I'll give you a bit of a rundown of what's going on. So there's a group of people called the Israelites, and God is leading them out of slavery and out of a place called Egypt, and they're on a journey. Now, God has spoken to a guy called Moses, and he's told Moses to send some spies to a place called Canaan, because that is the place that God wants to give to the Israelite people. That is the promised land. Now, at that present moment in time, the Israelites are somewhere in between Egypt and Canaan, the promised land. They're on a journey. You could say that they're somewhere in between their past and their future. 
Now Moses, he's up for the challenge, and so he picks 12 spies to go and spy out Canaan. And all of those spies are leaders within the Israelite community. They have leadership abilities. So if Moses was choosing them today, he might choose someone like Declan Rice, yeah, the captain of West Ham United. Incredible leadership abilities. Yeah, enough of that, enough of that, enough of that. <laughs> he might pick someone like Archie Coates, the leader of HTB. He might pick, oh, he got a slightly better reception. <laughs> he might pick some of you guys, but he's picked leaders within the community to go on this journey. Moses even gives them tips. He says, when you man get there, check if the people are weak or strong. See if there's a lot of them or not that many. And what's the area like? Is it a good area? He also said, if you see any trees, bring me back some fruit. He must have been on a diet. So the spies head out and they check out Canaan. They're there for 40 days. They observe and then they come back to report what they've seen to Moses and pretty much the whole of their community. And this is what they say. It's in Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 and 28. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. They actually brought back some gigantic grapes, yeah? Genuinely, it says in the Bible, it took two of them to carry these grapes back. You won't find those in Tesco Express. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And fortified basically means protected against any attack. So basically, the spies know that it's a good land. They know that there's benefits and there's opportunity and there's hope but they're too scared of the obstacles. After the spies give that report, one of them, a guy called Caleb, he speaks up and he says this in verse 30. We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Now, everyone's got a friend like Caleb, yeah? No matter what the situation is, they're always up for a challenge and always up for a fight. 10 dinosaurs and 10 dragons could burst in right now and everyone's got that one friend that would look up and think, I reckon we could have them. I think we could defeat them. If you haven't got a friend like that, it means that you are probably that friend. Caleb is up for it, but the rest of the spies are still doubtful and they start to spread a bad report about Canaan to kind of put their whole community off the idea. So this hope that Caleb brings is taken over by doubt and fear. And what happens then is that everyone listening, the Israelite community they're speaking to, they just feel sad, upset, in despair, and without hope. And to be real, when I look at my own struggles, when I look at the struggles of my friends, when I look at London and the cost of living crisis and the petrol prices and all the things that divide us in this current climate, I realize that we can often feel sad, upset, in despair, and without hope. Chapter 14, verse 3, they say this. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Not going to lie, I had to ask Alexa what plunder meant. She's my bestie. And uh, she said this. Plunder means to steal goods from a place using force and in a time of war and civil disorder. Then they say, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? They said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Imagine that. 
They'd rather go back to the place that caused them so much pain, back to slavery, than choose to look forward and trust that God will bring them to the promised land. And that's because being in the middle is a difficult place to be. I think a lot of us have faced that in the middle challenge. I know I have. In the middle of moving on from a relationship and instead of trusting God for a better future, we decide that it's easier to return to the relationship that we know isn't good for us. In the middle of trying to overcome an addiction, but somewhere along the journey we have a weak moment and we think, do you know what, I give up. And we return back to the very thing that we know is detrimental to us. In the middle of figuring out whether we should become a Christian and walk with Jesus, but being unsure of the future that he has for us. And so we return to the life that we've lived for years, a life that sometimes we feel deep down doesn't bring us full satisfaction. Joshua, who was one of the spies, joins Caleb in trying to encourage his community. 12 spies in total, 10 believed that they shouldn't go, but two believed that they could. Chapter 14, verse seven, Caleb said to the Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hopefully that's dairy-free milk, otherwise a lot of us would be in trouble, I reckon. In the Bible, milk is a symbol of God's abundance and honey symbolizes something sweet and good to eat. Essentially, Joshua and Caleb can't see why they should be afraid. They just think, look, if God is for us, it doesn't matter who is against us. He's promised us this land and I can't see why the 10 other spies refuse to believe. In verse 11, the big man turns up. God says this to Moses. How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? And I think that God's referring to some of the miracles that we've seen up until this point. You've got to realize that at this point of the story, just before, God had been flexing, like he'd been showing off a little bit. He'd done stuff like parted the Red Sea. Imagine that, in London, standstill traffic as usual, and then bam, God just splits open the River Thames, and you can just skip the traffic and get home. And this miracle was my favorite one, yeah? Check this. It says that during the 40 years that they were in the wilderness, their sandals didn't wear out, yeah? I need to know where to get them sandals, man, because they definitely don't make them like they used to. They've witnessed God do miracles along the way, yet they still do not believe. And I was so challenged by that because I do the same. I have doubts, but then I remember when I was in secondary school, we were playing football in the playground and one of my good friends, Izzy, was struck by lightning. This is what Izzy's clothes look like. He was in intensive care for weeks and weeks and we prayed and prayed. And one day the doctor said, we can't explain it. He just started breathing by himself. He's alive and he's gonna make a full recovery. The doctors called it a miracle. I also think about the fact that I'm standing here in front of you today. A working class council estate kid, parents didn't have much, came from Ghana. I had so many distractions in my life. I made so many mistakes, had so many insecurities. 
wasn't well educated, but somehow I'm standing in front of you, telling you about a savior that changed my life. That's a miracle. And finally, last season, West Ham United got to a European semi-final. That's a miracle. When the present is hard, don't long for the past. Realize how far God has brought you and hope for the future. Of the 12 men that went to explore the promised land, only Joshua and Caleb survived. The only two that believed. When God makes a promise, when he says go somewhere, do something, I've got your back. All you have to do is say you'll be there. Like the Spice Girl so eloquently put it. But how do we do that? Well, here's three ways in which you can. The first point is to change the way you think. Last week, I was in Cape Town, and on the day I was flying home, I had to check out of my hotel at 11 a.m., but my flight wasn't till 7 p.m. And so I went to ask for a late checkout, but the guy on the desk said that it's going to cost me an extra 50 pounds. And then I thought, 50 pound for an extra two hours, you're having an absolute bubble bath, mate. No chance, yeah? So I said to him, look, like my wife's back home in London. I've got a three-year-old, and I really want to get them something nice on the way back. If I give you 50 pound, I'm not going to be able to do that. So can I just buy you a drink instead? He chuckled and said, all right, go on then, that's fine. And on the way to the airport, I bought my wife and my son a five pound present, and everyone was happy. A friend I was with turned around to me and said, you can take the boy out of East London, but you can't take the East London out of the boy. And it reminded me of this story that we're looking at. It was easy for God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. But the harder part was getting the Egypt out of the Israelites. Changing their mentality from slave to free. They did this experiment once. I don't know who they are, but someone somewhere did an experiment. And they put some kids in this very large playground. But in the first week, they fenced off an area of the playground. And they told the kids that they could only play within this area. And for the first week, the kids had an amazing time playing in that one area. Everything was great. For the second week, they removed the fence. And then they said to the kids, right, now you've got the whole playground, you can go Anywhere you want, have a good time. And what they found was, for some reason, the kids still stayed within this area to play. And I feel like that sometimes, that represents us. When God removes a fence, when he removes a boundary, when he presents an opportunity, we have to change the way we think, change the way we've been conditioned, and we have to say that we'll be there. Every time I say that, I want to sing the song, like the melody comes to my head, and then something just says, please don't do that. <laughs> Any of you know it? Any of you want to sing it? I know there's someone online that's like, got it open on another tab right now, and they're singing along to it. Cheeky. Second one is stop doing the most. Where I come from, when we say doing the most, it just means you're being a little bit extra. You mean well, but it's just, it's just too much. Just relax. It's kind of like when you're five minutes late for work, but you know that you can't survive the day without a coffee. So you run into a coffee shop just to grab a quick coffee, and then you're just there with a really eager barista that wants to put like a heart or a plant on top of your flat white. 
and you're like, I appreciate the time and effort. I'm so glad that you put a lot of love and intention into this. But right now I'm just late and you're doing the most. Moses actually does this in this passage by complicating God's instruction. If we go right back to Numbers 13 verse 1, all God says is Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. That's all God says. But Moses relays this to his spies by saying, see if the people there are weak or strong. See if there's a lot of them or not so many. See if there's any food there. He's doing the most. He means, well, he probably just wants to prepare them. But sometimes it's okay to just do what God says and let God worry about the details. Tim Keller says this, Jesus didn't come to tell us the answers to the questions of life. He came to be the answer. I know one of you are going to send me a message on Instagram later telling me that it's irresponsible for me to encourage blind faith. But I genuinely don't think that Jesus or following Jesus is blind faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that we walk by faith and not by sight. If we walk by sight, then we might as well give up now because all I see is that my weekly shop is more expensive. All I see is that a couple of my closest friends have serious illnesses right now. What I see is that people still don't get equal opportunities because of their skin color or their gender. If I'm walking by sight, I haven't got much hope. But if we can walk by faith, we see more. We hear God. We look past the giants and we're able to see the invisible God that is present in all of our lives if we want him to be. And finally, know who your father is. Joshua and Caleb knew who their father was. Ultimately, it came down to this. Is God bigger than my problems or are my problems bigger than God? If we think God is bigger, then we will have the faith to let him show us that he is. But if we think that our problems are bigger, that's all we'll focus on. Right, class, you've been doing very well so far. If everyone could just get their index finger and put it as far out in front of them as possible without knocking the person in front of you out. Online, you could do this as well. When we keep God at a distance, we know he's there somewhere, but we can still see everything around us so clearly. The walls seem taller and the giants will seem bigger. Now, if you bring your index finger to about an inch in front of your nose and really try your best to focus on just your index finger, what you'll see now is that everything around you seems blurry. The problems are still there, don't get me wrong, but they aren't as overwhelming because you're focusing on God and putting him front and center of your life and realizing that he is bigger. A God who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and me so that we can have a life worth living. That is the type of father that we all have. Change the way you think, stop doing the most, and know who your father is. If God says go, say you'll be there. I know there's someone that probably still has their index finger out. You can, you can put it down now, mate. It's all, it's all good, man. It's all good. When reading this passage, I, I actually thought of London and the fact that maybe some of us need to spy out the land we're currently living in. If you're watching online from somewhere around the world, maybe you need to spy out the land that you're currently living in. For our context right here at HDB, this is like Isaac's London translation 
of the passage if Moses was given that task today. When Moses sent them off to scout out London, he said, go up through Kensington and then into the rest of the city. Look the land over, see what it's like. Assess the people. Are they strong or weak? Are there few or many? Is it pleasant or harsh? Describe the towns where they live. Are they open camps or fortified with walls? And try to bring back a sample of food that they eat there. And here's what the spies might have said today. When the spies came back, they said, we went to London, the land to which you sent us, and oh, it does flow with coffee shops and Nando's. <laughs> some people are strong, but some people are weak. There's eight million people, yet quite a few of them still feel lonely. Sometimes it's a pleasant place to be, like at HTB, but sometimes it's harsh, especially when people disagree with each other on things like politics, race, sexuality, or climate change. Oh, and there's this thing called social media. People really be crazy on there. In terms of where they live, there's mansions and plush flats, but there's also council estates and people that are homeless. Sometimes those two worlds are right next to each other, but they pretend not to notice one another. In terms of food, I brought you back a half chicken with some peri-peri chips. So what's it going to be? Yes, there are obstacles and challenges and strong giants, but there's also opportunity and hope. And I get the feeling that God wants all of us to be part of his plans, not just for our own good, but for the good of our city. In the Bible, it was 12 spies that went out. Ten of them didn't have the belief that they could do it but two of them were up for the challenge. I believe that this morning we can do a little bit better than that. 